Welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kikovich and Leon Wigard. Sam, good morning. Good morning, Leon. How are you, my friend? Uh, big week of racing, of course, and um, they uh, they drew the barriers for the Caulfield Cup last night, and my mate's got Dolphy, and your right. and our mutual mate uh, Moody. He's he's on the he's out in the car park. My great mate drew twenty eight. To think I took yeah. the two dollars fifty during the week when it was evens. It'll probably get out to three dollars, three dollars twenty. Yeah, Dolphy's not... gone out to. Yeah, but uh, that doesn't mean the incentivised can't win. I mean, it's, it does make its own luck, and it, it's not a sit and sprint horse. It can uh, it can bowl along and uh, make its own luck. So, but it's a big ask from Barrier Twenty. But more importantly, Leon, on a uh, on a smaller scale, you and I had a bit of adverse luck this morning in uh, or this week, I should say, with our uh, future Melbourne Cup winner, where we thought we would uh, get her over the chocolates at Kite, and we ran a very disappointing seventh. Yes, uh, yeah, um, uh, m- more like the uh, Nagambi Cup, I think. Yeah, well, I tell you what, we've got to scale down our uh, our expectation. But I'll tell you what I found very alarming. Now, I know that uh, you're very frugal when it comes to that volatile investment portfolio that we more commonly allude to as the punt. But I watched the, uh, the fluctuations with great interest. And from 15s to 7 to 2, you must have bet with gay abandon, Leon. You must have heard known something that I didn't know. What what was what was back from fifteens to seventy two? Our horse that you backed. You must have put a lot of money on it. Not a cent. <laughs> uh, what's the race though? And now it started about. Uh, it came from twenty to one. No, I blew it. No, I blew in the market. Yeah, I blew I've, in the market. I just had a few shekels on it. I'm very off the very punt. disappointed. I'm off you off the, the punt. punt? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's someone. That, I'll tell you someone that's not off the punt. Our very next guest. Wow! <laughs> that you're about a, to introduce. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, let our listeners uh, work it out. Thirty-eight international centuries, twenty in Test matches, eighteen in ODIs. Started his career at the age of twenty-five. Played for eleven or twelve years with the uh, national side in Test cricket. And uh, was well, has three or four different uh, nicknames. Afghan's the most important. Oh, well, I suppose the most popular one. But you called him Junior. Afghanistan and Junior, but Junior is predominantly what he's known as. Junior by about five seconds. His name is Mark War, and he joins us now. Good day, Mark. Good day, guys. Yeah, no, Junior's a nickname. Afghanistan. I think some journalist made that up. Um, that. One didn't last very long. So junior, and, and when I played in England at Essex, they called me Drove, Wardrobe. So that that was the oh, other yeah. one. <laughs> one I, I go by. Yeah. Well, how about how about Dean? Has he got a nickname? Dean. Um, what about Dino? How's that? Dino. <laughs> that rolls up all right. Him, Dino the dog. That's him. <laughs> Dino. Leon said. Leon said there was four seconds. In fact, there was four minutes. He was a junior. To, Obviously, all the brother Steve. <laughs> yeah. yeah, four seconds wouldn't give us much breathing room, yeah. <laughs> well, the umbilical cord wouldn't even be cut by then, Junior. Gee. No, no, four minutes, that's right, four minutes. Now, Mark, I looked uh, looked you up uh, as part of the intensive uh, study that I do on these podcasts uh, on Google. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're one of the few blokes that Google says, look, there's not enough space in this uh, unit 
for all of the information you want about Mark Wall. Uh, you, well, I don't know if that's all bad. Well, I don't know. It certainly goes into detail. And uh, I, I, in fact, went to sleep but he exhausted. Uh, but it's a fantastic record. It's but, impressive. But starting a career at 25, uh, uh, you know, when you hear of blokes like Ian Craig who was 17 or 18 or something and, and uh, Ian Chappell when he started young, uh, did you worry getting into your 23s and 24s that you'd never make test cricket? Uh, n- not really. I mean, I, we obviously had a pretty pretty good side back then and um, I sort of debuted for New South Wales uh, when I was pretty young, sort of about three or four years before that. Had a bit of a lean trot to start with in New South Wales and had a back injury and then um, I, I missed out on the 89 Ashes Tour. I thought I probably was a bit unlucky to miss out on that tour. They picked all these West Australians in front of me, Mike Valera and Tom Moody, all these blokes. Um, so I thought I, I probably could have got in a couple of years earlier. But in the end, when they picked me, I was I was playing pretty well. I think I scored 3,000 first-class runs at, in that season in England and in Australia. So I guess while it was it was a little bit late, 25, I guess, um, they picked me when I was probably in the, the peak of my career. Now, before I let you loose uh, with with Sam, you're married, of course, to Kim, who's a horse trainer. And mm-hmm. I might I might ask you to do us a favour. I've got a niece, and her name's Belinda Fisher, and she's mm-hmm. got a part share in Conrad and Concealed. Oh. Conrad, uh, Kim is getting ready for the Four Pillars, and Concealed, yeah. I think, is back in work now. So. Uh, have a word in the rear, will you, about those two? <laughs> well, Conrad, Conrad was supposed to run today at, at Kemble Grange, actually, um, but it was a heavy 10, so we're scratching. He's, he's going to run next week uh, at Kensington, and then, as you say, he's in the Four Pillars race on October 30th at uh, Rose Hillworth, 750,000. Uh, a very nice horse. Had a few little issues, um, but when he's right, he's, he's a really good horse. Concealed has had a few issues as well, as, as race horses do, but... Hopefully he's going to get back to the track shortly. So, yeah, all, all eyes on Conrad in, uh, next week and then in, in the couple of weeks following. Now, how did, yeah. you, get to, how did you get to know Sam Kekovic? Sam Kekovic? Uh, well, who doesn't know Sam? And, and <laughs> if, he, if he doesn't know you, he thinks he knows you. So, yeah, very easy. Very easy. <laughs> uh, That's the only thing, mate. Yes, but... But when he rang me actually the other day, he didn't he didn't say who it was on the phone. He just expected me to know the voice, which is the most famous <laughs> voice in Australia. That's how he introduced him on the phone. Uh, yeah. uh, you've you've nailed him. Now, Leon, you've got you, now, Leon, you've, you've got rid of your racing portfolio and your connections there, so we can stick with the terms of reference now, I suppose. <laughs> now, Junior, with uh, you, one of three siblings, one of three brothers. I guess like all young families growing up, uh, you're pretty competitive in uh, backyard cricket, I would imagine. There'd be no love lost there, would there? Yeah. Well, we grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney, in a, a suburb called Panania. Mum and Dad were really good sportsmen, very good tennis players. But the Dad was a semi-professional tennis player. He still coaches, actually. Um, so we always always played all, all sports, actually, when we were younger, cricket, tennis, uh, soccer, uh, we were pretty good at soccer, but yeah, there was the four boys, obviously myself and Stephen, the oldest, and 
Dean, who's four years younger, and Danny, 10 years younger. But they, yeah, they were very good fields when they didn't get much of a batter or a bowl, those two. It was mainly the <laughs> sort of season, but, uh, Yeah, we, I mean, we were lucky. We grew up in a, a sporting environment. So, you know, we that's all we did, really. Once we finished school, we are out in the backyard playing all sports, you know, cricket in summer and, and, and tennis, and then in winter, mainly soccer, but a bit of rugby league. We never played AFL because obviously it wasn't in our in our area or our school, so it was, it was always soccer and rugby league were our two winter sports. Suffice to say, LBW decisions would be at a premium, I'd imagine. Uh, it, was, it was tough to get Stephen out here. Nick won, he, he hit the garage <laughs> and he still stuck, so stay there. So it's hard to get out, I tell you. Tell me, uh, ironically enough, Stephen, who went on to Captain Australia, having a illustrious career himself, uh, ironically enough, you replaced him on your debut. Out S war yeah. in M war. That be uh, that was a little bit uh, shattering, yeah, I'd imagine. A little bit, little bit uh, strange, I guess, for for mum and dad especially. And and Stephen was the one who actually told me that I was in the team. And he, I said, "Oh, who who they drop?" And he goes, "They dropped me." So it was a bit bit awkward for a little while. But um, I guess it's better to have one war in there than no wars. But um, yeah, no, I was obviously. Unlucky for Stephen, but uh, good for me. And then eventually we, we obviously played a lot of test matches together, yeah. so it didn't didn't matter too much. You um, failed me. There wasn't much, much of a break there between us not playing together for Australia. And you failed miserably on your debut too. Just a lazy hundred, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, set the standard high. It's always tough when you score 100 on debut. you got to set the standard <laughs> high. But um, no, it was just, just one of those days. Everything fell into place and the selectors picked me, you know, when I was in form and that, that probably helped. I just went out there and, and peeled off 100 and, oh, 128 or something like that, 130 around that number and, and played obviously played really well. So pretty pretty fair start but a, a fair bit to live up to. Well, you played 128 tests and 8,000 runs. And you're probably one of the most elegant, elegant and gifted uh, players. Look, I follow cricket uh, extensively. You know, like a country boy, I play cricket. Nowhere near at that level, of course. But I always yeah. likened you to uh, to David Gower. I reckon you're two comparable players. Very elegant, laconic. And uh, I yeah. guess the annoying part, even with David Gower, he's got his critics who always thought that you gave your wicket away so cheaply because of your, you know, laconic, lazy what appeared to be a lazy stroke, but in reality, because you were so gifted, you were so gifted, most play, most players wouldn't even get to it. Was that a yeah, fair well, criticism? I mean, that, that was the that was the thing. Once once you sort of got labelled a sort of certain style of player, I guess you know, bordering elegant is lazy. It's you know, it's but it's just the way you play. You're certainly not lazy. You're saying you certainly don't give your wicket away. So I sort of had that tag early on in my career. And um, you know some of the shots I played, I guess looked looked like they were a bit a bit lazy. But that's just the way I played. That was my style. It certainly didn't feel like it was easy to me. It might have looked easy to the eye. And guys like David Gow and myself, um, Usman Kawaja, probably in, in modern times as a player that sort of gets labelled. Yeah, well. that's a fair analogy. And, uh, Greg Pebble to a certain degree, but he he uh, you know he was a great player, but uh, he could get away with it. So. On the other hand, someone like Steve, and he was sort of labelled as really defiant and nuggety and, and Do you know, didn't have a lot of shots. So that sort of irked him as well. So, you know, once you get labelled a certain style of player, it's difficult to sort of shake that tag. But, um, yeah, I just played the way I wanted to play. I was an aggressive player. I wanted to win all the time. So, you know, I'd be happy to take a risk. And, and sometimes that meant that I got out uh, when I shouldn't have. But, um, yeah, that was just the, the style of player I was, really. Well, hey, Sam, you get the test. Sam, yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, just on those comparisons, um, 
I wrote down here uh, when I was doing my research last night, uh, and I don't know what you think about this, Mark, but I had you uh, doubled up with Doug Walters um, because of you, the laconic nature, and even your work on the media uh, reminds mm. me a bit about Doug uh, Walters. Uh, uh, he, he'd almost be a, a hero of yours, I guess. Well, he, he was, yeah, Dougie was definitely one of my favourite players. I didn't drink and smoke near as much as Dougie, but apart from that. <laughs> no one does. Yeah, we had quite a few interests. Um, obviously, he, loved, he loves a punt too, Dougie. He loved the horses. And, and yeah, I guess the way he played was, was um, quite free and, you know, he could get out there and play his shots and he was a handy bowler, good fields and all those sorts of things. So you're right. I mean, when I grew up, it was, it was Viv Richards, Doug Wallace and Greg Chappell. They were the three players that I sort of looked up to um, – when I, when I was about to play professional cricket, so Dougie was definitely one of my uh, one of my early heroes. Junior, tell me, uh, Osgood Schlatter disease. That is that is the knee, isn't it? Yeah, if I remember correctly. Is that is that a good answer? Is that what what's your is your is that a statement or a question no, you're asking? No, well, okay, I'll 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 I'll, I'll, I'll start again. Osgood Schlatter disease, which is a rarity that you had, which is stunted yeah. growth, for want of a better term. You, you you didn't grow for a long time. You grew about a foot in one year, did you not? <laughs> I, I can't really remember being jockey size and then all of a sudden being an AFL player. I, was, I thought I was a pretty normal height, actually, um, when I was growing up. But that's, that's, thought, that's in... That was in the knee, that Osgood Slater's disease, as far yeah, as I Yeah, exactly. Know, yeah, it was a knee disease. Disease. I might have got that wrong. Is, is it in the knee? It is in the knee. Yeah. You're right. No, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think there was a real gross spurt, but I don't know why I had it, but it certainly affected me for a, a season there with my sport. I really – it slowed me up a bit. Yeah. Okay, well, you certainly overcame that very quickly. You didn't need a great – I shouldn't have dwelled on that at all. <laughs> Tell me how difficult was it being in the side with Stephen? Now, Stephen's polarised the entire cricketing world. You know, there's a lot that will say he was a fantastic, which he was a fantastic player. That goes without saying. But he certainly, uh, you know, he never had your uh, sort of extroverted mannerisms, you know, your laconic way of life. Yeah. You know, he was more doer, you know, serious, you know, tolerated no fools. And, you know, would polarise a crowd. It would be very difficult for someone like you where there would be elements within the organisation, I would imagine, or within the playing group that would uh, probably have some adverse thoughts towards you. Well, the thing is, I mean, to look at us, we were different styles of players, as you've mentioned, but the one thing we, we did have in common was we always played to win and we were, we were aggressive. So, you know, we, we grew up in the same sporting teams and we always played. Um, you know, in the same teams with the same sort of ethos. So, I mean, we look different as players, but in actual fact, our our game plan and the way we played the game was was, was almost identical. You know, we think the same. We you know different tactics and you know all those sorts of things. So, I mean, as a, as a, playing with Stephen, I mean, you, we just treated each other as 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 fellow players, not not really twins. I mean, you're just going out there playing a game and yeah. as another team member. So, I mean, obviously. You know, you have those 
extra feelings when you, you know, it's, it's your blood. But um, generally speaking, we just went about our own business, played our own game, and and that was it. We obviously had some great partnerships together. The um, the one in the West Indies in '95, obviously was yep. the one to remember. The one in in Sheffield Shield Cricket in Perth. You know, we had a big partnership. There were 464, so we played well together. We did have a few runouts. That was that was a, a bit of an issue at one stage. I think there was one season there where we, we ran each other out about eight times, so I don't know what was going on there. That's but, right, you did. Yeah, and I come off worse, I think, most of the time. I think I was like <laughs> getting run out. Um, look, I, I mean, Stephen played the game in an aggressive manner, and to the, to the naked eye we looked like different players, but really we, we played the game pretty similar. But the point I wanted to make more specifically – and I know you yep. sort of just scramble around the periphery there, sort of second-guess me. But the point I want to make, so for argument's sake, I'll give you a specific example. When he dropped Warren for McGill, I think that was at Sabona Park. Was that on that tour? It might have been on that tour, that was, wasn't it? That was in the West Indies. Uh, that was that might have been the tour before. But, um, yeah, I mean. Well, one of those tours. There, was, no. there, was, there were incidents like that throughout his career where, you know, and, you know, Full credit to Steve because he had strength of his convictions. He would never be compromised on his values and standards. But it would have made it very awkward for you being a team member with someone like Warren when he was dropped because I've got to imagine Warren, you know, <laughs> he wouldn't yeah, uh, hold Warren, back. Warren hasn't forgot that either. <laughs> I still think he holds a grudge against Steve. Um, yeah. I, I mean... I mean, we had different friends in the team. We didn't – I mean, not everyone gets on with each other, so just because we're twins didn't mean we have the same friends. But, um, I mean, in relation to Warney getting dropped, I mean, Stephen had to make a tough call, and I think in the end his call was correct. I mean, in those days the captain and the coach picked the team when you're away on tour, so, you know, they were basically the sole selectors. So, I mean, you've got a job to do. It's not an easy job, and he made a tough call, and – uh, unfortunately, Warney is a great, great bowler. We know that, but um, there is certain stages during everyone's career where you, where you lose a bit of form or you have injuries. And at that stage, Warney probably wasn't at his best. It was a tough call, um, but as captain, you know you've got to make these calls every now and then. Going back to the um, the partnerships with your brother, um, the one in nineteen ninety six, I think it was the double century, the first double century, I think it was, and the, certainly was the world record-breaking partnership um, in that uh, World Cup. Must have been a, a delight for the pair of you. Yeah, well, well the, the two big partnerships I'm talking about was um, the one in the West Indies at Sabina Park where Stephen got 200, I got 130, and, uh, you know, we won that test match. We won the series against the West Indies. It was probably a turning point in world cricket where the West Indies, who were dominant for the previous probably 15, 20 years, um, we sort of took over that mantle. So that was probably the most memorable batting partnership we had. The one against West Australia in Perth, we, we put on 464. I reckon we could have got about 864. <laughs> um, we never looked like getting out. So at that, at that stage, that was a, a world record for uh, the third wicket or fourth wicket partnership. So, um, yeah, I mean, they were the two standout uh, partnerships. But the, the one against the West Indies was probably, you know, the one against, you know, world-class bowling attack that, that really stood out. Junior, what were some of the best bowlers you faced, you reckon? Who were the best bowlers you faced? Best bowlers? Well, I, I first started playing for Australia in 91 and the West Indies had Malcolm Marshall, uh, Courtney Walsh, Kirtley Ambrose, Ian Bishop, all those <laughs> guys. So, 
You know, I'd say Malcolm Marshall, Curtly Ambrose, and then, you know, your guys from Pakistan, Akram and Wacker Yunus, uh, Alan Donald from South Africa. You know, there's a whole host of great fast bowlers throughout that era. And then you had the spinners like Murali from, um, you know, Sri Lanka. He was he was very hard to play. But uh, it was mainly the fast bowlers in that era that were the, the dominant ones yeah. to bat against, hard ones to bat against. How about your bowling? Um, your, your first wicket, I think, was... Was it Vin uh, Vin, uh, Vic, uh, Vin Richards? Uh, no, it was, it was, I wish it was. It was Curly Ambrose, actually. <laughs> oh, Curly. I'm a test match in Barbados. Um, but my bowling, when I first played for New South Wales, when I was in my early 20s, I was, I was actually picked as a number six batsman and an opening bowler. I, I opened the bowling with Mike Whitney at the Gabba in my um, early in my you know first class career. So. I used to bowl with a bit of pace, and then I, I had a back injury when I went to England and played for Essex. I had stress fractures in my back, so that sort of changed me to an off-spin bowler. But I always always loved to be in the game, so, you know, I loved to bowl. I was a pretty aggressive bowler. I, I probably bowled a record number of bounces for a medium pacer. I used to love bowling bounces and, and tr- trying to throw a few bounces back at the fast bowlers who used to bounce me. So, yeah, I loved to be involved in the game, and, and chipping in with a few wickets um, was always, you know, something I really enjoyed. Hey, Sam, going back to the very start, the 1991 tour of the West Indies, uh, first tour for Mark, that, that century that you refer to, Sam, did you know that he was knocked out by Courtney Walsh early in that innings? He was knocked out. It's fairly evident talking to him now that that was a case, <laughs> Leon. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I think you might be knocked out. Um, I, I, that, that was against England my, in 90, uh, 91. Although, I, I, actually, I got in, injured in the West Indies, you're right, in a tour match. Courtney Walsh yeah. hit me in the head in a tour yeah. match. But, um, that, that you got? Say he's getting hit in the head by the West Indian fast bowlers. And, and in those days... Made a century. And in those days, Leon, they... They don't have the sophisticated weaponry that they're wearing these days. You know, no. some of them just went out there with a cap, no headgear. Oh, I wasn't that stupid. I had a helmet on. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, but a few, I didn't, wanna... a few players didn't, I mean, uh, especially the West Indians, actually. Viv Richards, he, he almost refused to wear a helmet in his career. Well, that was he his was intimidation program. He used to chew gum and wear his cap. He'd almost take you on. Yeah, uh, Exactly. Mark, uh, there's a host of things I want to ask you, but one particular thing. Because I remember a prominent Australian coming up to me one day and he said about Steve Waugh. He said, Steve Waugh's at the vanguard or at the beginning of what we dubbed the ugly Australian in terms of his sledging on the field. He put it fairly and squarely at Steve Waugh's feet. He was the one he felt was the the, uh, perpetrator. He was the initiator. And was that the case? Was, we, sledging was very prominent in your day. I mean, to say uh, you're notorious. Not really. for it. I, I think it's been overplayed big time, sledging. I, th- I think probably maybe before our time, but um, no, I wouldn't call. I wouldn't call our our era big sledges. Um, the most sledging I ever encountered was in in club cricket. To be honest, when you're coming up through the ranks in club cricket, the the lower the standard. The, the more sledging it was, but um, look, I, I think <laughs> I, I, look, I think we played the game hard but fair. I, you know, I don't think there was ever much sledging that ever overstepped the line. Yes, there was talk on the field. You're out there for six or seven hours, you know, as if you're not going to. It's not going to be a bit of banter. But I, I wouldn't say we overstepped the line too much at all. You know, we kept it. 
kept it really trying to, I suppose, uh, break the concentration of the opposition or make them feel a little bit intimidated. But as far as swearing <laughs> or putting them down or anything like that, there was there was very little. No, I could uh, imagine that. I think it was more just you know, you know, it just you sort of banter, and in, in, in most of the time it was pretty good hearted, to be honest. Uh, Sam, you'd have to uh, a fellow member of our Bang Sang Club, uh, the late and great Slug Jordan. Uh, uh, preceded Mark, of course, in his cricket, but uh, uh, you, you might refer to him as a bit of a sledger. <laughs> Indeed, so, so. It was going for a long while before Mark came along, and uh, Steve. Yeah, I think Slug Jordan was around the Victorian setup when I first played shield cricket, actually. Uh, yeah, sure yeah, he was. Yeah, 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 I'm not sure. Oh, he became a, a great junior coach in both football and Aussie rules, mm. and he really was yeah. a. Tremendous yeah, he probably, influence. He probably t- taught Merv Hughes how to sledge. He was a pretty good sledger, Merv. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. had some beauties out here. <laughs> Junior, who was your roommate? What was your favourite tour? England, I would imagine. Um, well, back in those days, we, we when I first started playing, we, we did have roommates, but it used to swap around. You know, they used to, used to swap, basically, who your roommates were. But, um, I mean, England was always a great place to tour because of the history and the prestige. You know, similar lifestyle to us. Uh, West Indies was great. Uh, you know, a bit more casual, but back in the early in the nineties, the crowds were so vocal and they loved their cricket. So the West Indies was always more more of a colourful sort of tour. South Africa was great as well, great place to tour, lots of things to see and do over there. Um, you know, the subcontinent's got its own own charm as well. India was a was a great place to play. You get treated like a, a king over there. Obviously, you don't get much. Space uh, for your personal uh, rest and recreation, but um, you know all those places are great. Every place you tour has got its different um, negatives and pluses. But you know, I suppose if you had to pick one tour, if you're growing up, you'd want to go on an Ashes tour to England. So that was that was probably the number one tour uh, for an Australian cricketer. Now, uh, the, in the, the fielding side of things, uh, Mark, you you're somewhat of a record holder there in the number of catches you took. 181 or something, I think, in Test cricket. So, Slips. Um, uh, well, that would be – I mean, that, that, that's obviously – would have been helped by your backyard cricket with your brothers and uh, and uh, through the uh, the district system and the shield system. Yeah. And uh, But did you study uh, the, uh, the, the art of catching or is it something that comes naturally to you? Look, I think you can – you know, obviously, I, I practice hard. I grew. We grew up in the backyard with with Dad practicing his volleys with us, uh, catching a tennis ball. We used to throw the ball back to Dad, and he used to volley um, the tennis ball back to us. So I think that was a good starting point, actually, catching tennis balls because they're a little bit harder to catch. They're a bit lighter, so you got to learn to sort of not snatch the ball. But um, yeah, you know, I guess I've always been a natural sort of fieldsman. I was lucky in that Bob Simpson was. At, you know, my first professional coach for New South Wales, and he was a great fielder. And Bob Simpson, he was probably one of the best catchers of all time, wasn't he? So, I mean, technically, you know, I was taught from a young, you know, from an early part of my career, you know, the right technique. Um, but I used to, I used to love, um, love fielding. You got, you got to enjoy it. If you, if you, if you enjoy, it, you tend to be better at it. So, yeah, look, I just had the, I, I suppose, the natural instincts of a good fieldsman, and obviously worked hard with Bob Simpson, and, and just went from there. But I, I think the really great catches, it's you know, you've got to have that natural ability, you know, instinct, move to the ball naturally, and you know, there's something there. You can definitely work on your catching, but I think 
the really great catches, it's, you know, there's something that, that's sort of inbred in you, that natural ability. Junior, after you've uh, after you uh, packed up your caravan and drifted off in the sunset from the uh, the playing arena, you ventured into uh, they made you a national selector. Uh, how did, how have you enjoyed that? Uh, and what are the uh, well, nuances with being a player as opposed to a selector? Yeah, well, I, I did it for about four years, um, Sam. There for. Yeah, for a little while, I, I did. I did enjoy it. It was it was pretty tough, um, you know, telling a player he's dropped and not playing in a game, or, or possibly ending someone's career. That's that's not an easy thing to do, and you take it very no. seriously. But um, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I was back back in the like I felt like I was a player again on tour. You know, you, you're in the bus with the players, and you're at the ground, and you're feeling every emotion of a game, watching all the players, the ups and downs they have. So I, I did enjoy it. Um, you know, I, I travelled a lot. Uh, we had a reasonable success when I was uh, when I was one of the selectors. Um, there was Rod Master was the chairman of the selectors when I first started. Then Trevor Hones uh, was the chairman at, at the end. So at the end, I was more focused on T20s and white ball cricket. That was my job towards the end. But um, you know, it was it was challenging but enjoyable. I, I certainly loved it. And, um, but given my media uh, work as well, it, it was a little bit difficult um, to do both. So that's that's when I stopped. Um, being a selector, and uh, although I did some media work as well at the same time, it was a little bit difficult to, to do both. So uh, I certainly enjoyed it, um, and it was challenging at times. Let me ask you about the state of Australian cricket as we speak, and particularly with the advent of all these, you know, very varied forms of games, and the advent, particularly of twenty twenty, the IPL, the huge demands on players. Uh, has that been to the detriment of Australian cricket? Do you think? And do you think we've got the right format in moving forward? Look, I, I think Australian cricket's always going to be strong, and, uh, and it's you know, we're at the top of the tree now. Where you know, I think we could probably improve our T Twenty cricket, but our Test match cricket is really strong. Our One Day cricket's strong. Um, as long as we keep um, you know our, our domestic cricket important at a, at a high level, we'll keep bringing players through. Look, I think T Twenty cricket is great. I'd love to play it. It's very entertaining. The only thing I that is a little bit of a setback is when players, um, the IPL is a big tournament, and sometimes you know there's there's just no break in the calendar, uh, and that, that the break in the calendar is when the IPL tournament's on. So it makes it um, a little bit difficult um, when players are playing IPL, then they're resting for their country. I, I don't like that. You know, I think countries should always take precedence over domestic cricket, but. Look, I think Australian cricket's in a really good state. We get good crowds. Um, I'm a little bit wide with world cricket, with test match cricket, because it's it's really only, you know, crowds are supported in England and Australia, a little bit in India, but India is more focused on, on T20 cricket. But, you know, I think we're in a good spot, world cricket and Australian cricket, as long as it's entertaining. You know, I like to see aggressive, entertaining sport. Um, you know, we've got to keep playing aggressive cricket. That'll bring the crowds back. Um, and I think T20 cricket is actually bringing younger players, you know, staying younger players are staying in the game. You know, there's big money there um, and that's a bit of a focus for young kids coming through. As, as, as long as they're, they're not totally focused on that, I don't see a problem with it. But Because to my eye, test cricket's the, the, the real game, the real test of character and skill. But I think T20 cricket's good at uh, getting out into the schools and getting kids playing and, and playing some sort of sport. Is Tim Payne the yeah, right side of Captain yeah. Australia? 
Sorry, mate? Is Tim Payne the right guy to be heading uh, captain in Australia? Uh, Tim Payne, captain at the moment, I think. Yeah, um, is he the right captain for Australia? Oh, I, I think he's the right guy at the moment, yes, yep, yep. And, uh, you know, I think he's obviously at the back end of his career and, you know, there'll be a time probably not too far away that he'll be replaced. But uh, I think he's done a great job. He came in at a tough time with the, you know, the, the sandpaper uh, issue. And, um, you know, he's, he's had his knockers, Tim Payne. Um, but generally speaking, I think he's a good, tough cricketer. He's a very good wicketkeeper. He's a decent batsman. Tactically, I think he might have got it wrong a couple of times last summer against India. Um, but then again, you know, there's a lot of senior players and the coaching staff in that team that, you know, also make decisions on the field. So I think tactically it could be a little bit better, but I think overall he's done a, a really good job. Now, Mark, uh, going back uh, years and years ago, I was a water polo player and women started to play and I thought, God, I don't know whether this sport's really a feminine game. I, uh, But I was proven to be wrong because the women now uh, make up a, a, a very large lump of the game worldwide and uh, in the Olympics and, of course, Australia won a gold medal in Sydney. Um, when uh, you were coming through, of course, women's cricket was being played, but it was very much park. And now you see it big time. Did that surprise you the way they've come on in leaps and bounds? Um, not, not really. I think, I mean, women's sport generally, I think, has come on leaps and bounds, hasn't it? It's, it's getting My so much word. more media attention and in the papers and coverage, AFL, rugby league, soccer. Um, tennis has always been big and, and golf, but these other sports have really um, come on leaps and bounds, particularly in the last couple of years. But I, I think with the women's cricket, the standards improving every year. You know, the girls are getting fitter and stronger. Technically, they're, they're getting a lot more uh, help with, with coaches. It's, it's so professional that, you know, there's a professional element in the game now, which wasn't there when I was growing up, when the women were playing in my year, but now it's, you know, it's it's serious stuff and, you know, the standards just keeps improving. We've got some great players and, and you know, we've got some household names in women's cricket. You know, you're Elise Perry, uh, Meg Lanning, Alyssa Healy. You know, most people, if you went down the street, they, they probably know who these girls are. So that shows you how much, um, you know, the, the profile of women's cricket's really lifted through obviously a lot of coverage on the, on Fox Sports TV, through the newspapers, and it's been given a lot of airtime and it's it's just improved so much. Yeah, you you mentioned, you, you met, sorry, Sam, but I was going to – Mark opened the door for us there, mentioning Fox Sport. Um, joining uh, or being involved with them must be a, uh, something that you enjoy because uh, – well, it gives you a career uh, way into the future, and uh, might I say you do it very well. So um, uh, they're contracted for a long while on the cricket, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. Well, I've just signed for another four years, so um, no, I really love it. It's, it's great fun. You, you wouldn't really call it a job, would you? You know, commentating on, on on cricket, and you know, it's it's great to be back with a lot of the guys I played my career with. You know, you, Adam Gilchrist, your Warney, BJ. Uh, Mike Hussey, uh, Brett Lee, and then, you know, you're mixing, you're seeing other guys at the ground as well, you're Ricky Pontings, and that's almost like being on tour again when you're at a test match with all, all the commentators and, you know, meeting up with guys from overseas as well. It's, it's really great. I mean, I enjoy it. It's good fun. And, you know, I think with commentary, everyone's got their own style, but I like to call it as I see it. You know, sometimes that rubs people up the wrong way, but... Um, 
you know, if it's good, it's good. If it's if it's bad, I think you've got to call it out. So, you know, you like to focus on the positives, but I think you've got to call it as you see it, and that's what I try and do my base my commentary around. Well, Leon, there's no doubt he's been a superstar, and he's a superstar guy too, Junior. Uh, yeah, no fanfare, bright lights, but God, he deserves all the accolades that uh, can be bestowed upon him. Thanks, uh, Junior. You're a superstar, and I think, Leon, it's time to have that Mitchelton uh, glass of red that we you promised me an hour ago. Yes, and uh, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll let Mark have a try of that too next time he's down in Melbourne. Uh, oh, mind you, you can get it Australia-wide, Mitchelton uh, print. It's the one that's a Shiraz, by the way, Mark. Hey, I love the Shiraz, yeah. It's my favourite. Yeah, made, made in the Gamby. Well, uh, if you, uh, Sam Sam will probably get some to you. Uh, it's been terrific having oh. you on the show. Thanks for joining us on Life, and we'll catch you through the season. Now, Mark Ward oh, joining us today. Pleasure. Good to speak to you.